Hello everyone, I'm Mike from The Self App, and thank you for listening to The Self App Podcast. This is a show where we discuss all things good thoughts, good words, good deeds related, and interview people passionate about being their best self, and who are helping others to be their best self too. Some of the segments include Coaching Clinic, where we talk to psychologists, motivational thinkers, and life coaches. Book Club, where we discuss and share reviews on our favorite books. Startup Spotlight, taking a pre-seed and more often than not non-techie view on starting a business and running a business. Health and Fitness Hustle, where we provide tips, tricks, and training from experts. And Esoteric Edge, a look at hidden or secret philosophy and how it can help you be your best self. If you haven't already, please download the Self app where we deliver you a collection of tools to help you be your best self. And 3% of all our profits are donated to charity. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Today, it's my privilege to introduce you to Richie Cranny. Richie was born in West London in 1971, married in the year 2000 and still married to date. He has three kids, 8, 10 and 12, and respectively a girl, boy and a boy. Richie started in martial arts in 1990 and is a black belt in Choi Karate, which he attained in 1996. He opened his first school in Thames Ditton, just outside London, in 1996. Richie started training as a mixed martial artist from 1997. His formal style, Pro My MMA, was created in 2020 by his coach, Lee Aylett. Uh, Richie's professional record is 4-1-1 amateur and 0-for-1 in his pro MMA career. Richie moved to Australia in 2003 and he coached MMA in the PCYC in Redfern, Sydney. He injured his back in 2005, started back coaching in 2007, opened his own MMA gym, Platinum Extreme, in 2009. Richie is a men's fitness magazine MMA editor from 2011 to 2018. He is the founder and creator of the Wimp to Warrior program from 2012. He was awarded his fourth degree black belt in ProMai in 2018 in London. He's an IMMAF coach level one from 2019, an IMMAF level two coach and course instructor from 2020. He's voted as the president of the IMMAF Australia in 2019 pioneered MMA specialist coaching courses for IMMAF in 2019, the winner of Contribution to Coaching Award 2019 uh, World MMA Awards, awarded the first IMMAF black belt in Australia in 2020, voted as the chairman of IMMAF World Coaching Commission in 2020, the founder of Specialist MMA in 2021. So Richie, quite a mouthful, very difficult for me to get get a coverage of all of that and and a fantastic accolade for you. I'm truly thrilled to have you on the show here today and I would love for you to tell us about um, your program, Wimp to Warrior. So talk to us all about the MMA program, Wimp to Warrior. Hey Mike. Um, Yeah, so Wimp to Warrior, basically it was, it it came from my whole journey in in martial arts. So, the, the reason I got involved in martial arts, which I'll, I'll talk to you about in a minute, but it, it the I got involved with MMA um, very early in the piece. Um, and, you know, when there were no rules, you know, it was bare knuckle at the beginning. Everyone was trying to figure out the best way to find the best spider. Um, and we got quite far um, in the UK. We were a little bit behind the US in terms of the evolution there. Um, but we were doing well. There was established schools. We had established syllabus. You know, we had a, 
um, established system. And then when I moved to Australia in 2003, it was kind of going back in time again. It was, um, it was at least sort of th two or three years behind the UK and then behind the US in terms of um, acceptance and, <clears throat> and the, the kind of training that was available. Um, it was still very much, um, you train Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you train Muay Thai, and then you kind of try and stick it together, a little bit of wrestling. And so <clears throat> I was very passionate about continuing the journey. So um, I started coaching very early, uh, as soon as I basically landed in Sydney. Um, and then through that process, I realized that the, there, was, there, was a real, uh, there was a real problem with the media in Australia, with MMA at that time. You know, and, and fast forward a few years when I was about to, was opening my first gym, um, Platinum Extreme in McMahon's Point. I opened the gym because um, I wanted to try and prove to get more people into the sport that weren't necessarily young 20 year olds that wanted to be the next, you know, DSP at the time, you know. Um, and, and that's pretty much everyone, you know, as you know, we were trained together and we we're all young bucks, you know, we were just wanting to uh, to spar and have a good time. Um, but for, for the industry to grow, you need to bring the, the larger demographic. You need, you need everyone. You need mums, dads, kids. Um, and MMA just wasn't attracting those people. And when I opened my gym, Planet Extreme, um, that was really magnified for me because I'd opened this amazing gym, <clears throat> spent a ton of money, got investors, and it was the first kind of premium MMA gym in Australia. Um, and the idea being that it's <clears throat> it's it basically smashes all the images of MMA gyms at the time where it's all crusty and then you just go in and you get beaten up and you go home. And so it was it was a premium facility. You know, we had a weights room, we had a striking room, and a wrestling room, showers, beautiful change rooms so people could hang their suits, train in the morning and go. And so white collar workers in North Sydney. So it ticked all these boxes and I thought, this is it. This is gonna bring the people in. You know, um, spent some money on PR, got in newspapers. We got a lot of um, press about this premium gym. Fairtex um, came on as a sponsor. And, and I thought, this is any, all these little things kept happening. I thought, this is gonna be the thing that's, I'm gonna turn up tomorrow morning. There's gonna be people queuing at my door. I've got the best gym in Australia. I've brought coaches in from around the world. I, Great guy from the US, a wrestling coach. I bought one of my co my striking coaches from the UK. I'd done everything I could, but still nothing. So the, this went on for a couple of years and you know, and the pressure of trying to pay huge bills like um, for the facility itself, rent, and then your staff. And you know, it's just never just kind of just missing that break even, you know, and I was like, it was very stressful. So I was, I, I looked at so many different things, you know, why wasn't this working, you know? And it's, um, it, I, I couldn't figure out the, the magic to, to bring these people into the gym. We tried literally everything. We used to run around the streets in North Sydney, giving out flyers. We had hot chicks down at the, um, at the shopping center, giving out flyers, it, everything, you know? But anyway, so I, I'd had an injury, back injury, as you mentioned before, so I'd always having treatment and um, I was having some back treatment and I was laying on, I was at acupuncture and I just had this epiphany that it's, I knew I couldn't fight anymore. I used to fight because I used to love it, but my back injury stopped me and I thought, maybe if someone experiences the whole journey, not just a class, and I can show someone that 
it's not just about training and enjoying a class, but the what you can get from going through a journey of a fighter and then experiencing that one-on-one -on -one connection with someone in combat. If I could show that and show that anyone can do it, you know, find some guy from IT that's, you know, you wouldn't, you know, 50 kilos and would, would say boo to a goose, you know, and he could do it, then hopefully that would, that would be the ultimate um, statement that MMA is for everyone. So rush back to the gym, write it all down, slides, mapping out a program. I thought, you know, six months, I could do it in six months. Spoke to my strength coach about it. I said, would you help me, you know, because we're going to have to build this person up. They're going to have this image of them coming in as a stick man and I'd have to, I'd have to bulk them up. Um, and she was like, fantastic idea. And the name literally just came to me. I said, I'm, we just get a, a wimpy guy and we're, we're, take, we're calling Winter Warrior. And she was like, fantastic. So I wrote down, literally there and then, I made the Facebook page, got the name, put an email together, put a Facebook post out. She shared it as well. And we had over 400 people contact us by email in one week. So wow. I sat there and said, wow, let's not, let, I'm not going to train one person. I'm going to train like 50 people. So um, kind of come up with the concept of a tryout. Thought because we've got too many people, so I'm just going to try and eliminate people. So um, invited, I've got all the applications, looked through them, and I tried to get as diverse a group as I could. So looked for mums, looked for um, really overweight people, looked for people that had suffered mental illness, um, and invited 50 people down. We put them through a weekend of tryouts <clears throat> and then we picked literally 25 and it wasn't um, 25 of the people that survived and did well we looked for the people that struggled the most and we thought that we could really um, make a statement with them we didn't want an athlete you know we had an athlete but he was very much not an athlete at the time he was an ex-athlete at the time an ex-rugby player but the rest were some of them never didn't even know what MMA was they they not even seen a UFC fight. They were like, we're not really sure what this is, but we heard free training, you know? So I was like, okay, whatever gets you through the door. <laughs> um, so yeah, so <clears throat> I trained them all for free, you know, and um, it took five and a half months. And then through that, that program, I was kind of mapping out <clears throat> how the program would go and listed it all. And, and then um, at the end, it, it, uh, the transformation of the people was fantastic physically. But as a coach, the ultimate test is is how does how does someone um, put everything together when the pressure's on, you know, in a live situation, and you, you don't know until it actually happens whether the magic has worked. As a coach, you don't know if you've done the right job until you see them in that in that cage under pressure, the lights are on, and and because. You, I know you've trained for years as well, and you, you get these guys that are amazing on the mats and they can tool everyone, but you put them under the big lights, they fall apart, and they're not mentally strong mm -hmm. enough. And that's the biggest part of combat sports is the mental side. So, um, yeah, I was very anxious at the time because there was I had a lot of people push back on what I was trying to do, <clears throat> um, especially um, fighters in, in, in Australia, young fighters, you know, they were saying that this is, this is wrong, it's you know, I trained four years to get my first fight. You know, you're degrading what we do. You're because at the time, you know, there was a couple of white collar boxing things had started, and people were kind of thinking it was like that. 
And um, you know, I said, look, just wait, and just the proof will be in the pudding. And I invited local media down and stuff and put on a great event at North Sydney and sold it out, 550 people there. And um, I was just so nervous because I didn't know it was going to work until the fight started happening. And I remember the first two guys coming out and um, one of the guys, Jimmy, he's still very good friends with now. He was in the first fight. And I just, I just said to him, just please, just please. I just, before we went in the case, just, just go. <laughs> and he's by Adam, he fought, and they just had a barn burn. You know, they're not the most technical fights. There's only so much you can do, <clears throat> but the, the most, Impressive thing is that these guys, and Jimmy will tell you, I mean, he threw up before the trials even started. He was so nervous. And he was the stick guy, you know, and um, he's, he's such a great guy, but he 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 tell, he sends me messages all the time now. It's just calls me his big brother and how much he's changed his life. And, and that's nine years ago. So this isn't mm. something that you stop and then it kind of unravels and you you think about it, but it had no influence on you. This. This stuff influences people for the rest of their life. And um, and I'm in touch with everyone from that very first series. So that's how it started. And um, it was a complete success. Everyone came out and they stood toe to toe and showed no fear and absolutely had a great time. And the audience thought it was fantastic. Um, and from there it kind of built. And um, I opened the Academy in Brookvale and I basically set it up for the series. And it was an amazing gym another gym and um it was set perfectly i had the, the full-size cage in the center i had the blue mats the red mats strength conditioning and you know we filmed a series um and it went on to fox sports um one <clears throat> in australia um and so that got a lot of momentum as well and then people started contacting me about running the program and the first person i wanted to to give the program to because i knew from not from a, a monetary side but from a the fact that, that as a coach you're as a it's a bit with as a coach it's kind of a bit of a selfish role it's selfless in the fact that you you care nothing about what you, everything goes into the people that are standing in front of you in the mats everything but what you get back is is addictive you know is it, that's what drives you you want them to do well so it makes you feel good and this was the ultimate feel good you know you had this group of people that came from like nowhere, uh, really some real mental problems, physical problems. And then there were just these prime apes, you know, they were just in there and fight and they just came out and they were like alive. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best coaching job ever. So <laughs> I, rang my, I rang Lee up in London. I said, you have to run his program. You have to run his program. So he was the first one I gave it to. Um, and he, he had a massive series in London and then we did it a couple of gyms in Melbourne and Brisbane, and then one of my um, one of my guys that was on a series in in Sydney was from Cork in Ireland, and then everyone started hearing about it, and he went home and he was training at SBG in Cork and was telling everyone about it there, and then the coach rang me up said I'd love to run the program, but he said you know I'm part of John Cavanagh's SBG, I'd need to run it past him, I said of course. And like John Cavanaugh, like Connor was just coming up at that time and like from a coach, like he's a massive mentor. And so I thought, wow, John Cavanaugh, just having that name mentioned towards my series. Next thing, like two days later, I'm on a Zoom call with John Cavanaugh and he's saying like, I want to run the program first. I'm like, holy shit, wow. this, is, this is happening. And John was, he said, I've heard about your program for a while. He said, his mum actually told him about it. His mum had watched my original YouTube series 
which was my first series like three years before, and told him about it and said, this guy's, you know, he's trying to change the sport like you are, John, but he's doing grassroots. And John was like, oh, you know, he, he kind of related to white collar stuff. He says, yeah. I'm not doing that. You know, that's like everyone else. Until they find out what we actually do, um, mm. and how much is involved in the program. Mm. Um, so then, yeah, I had a conversation with John. I flew over to Dublin. I ran his first tryouts. Um, he had a massive series and um, and it kind of spiraled from there. And then, you know, and, and then TriStar and, you know, American Top Team and it, all the gyms that I'd, as a as an athlete and as a, as a coach coming up through the ranks and you know, you, I used to think, I used to dream about going to TriStar because GSP was my favorite fighter. And I thought, oh, I'd have to go to it. And so if someone had said to me that one day your training program will be in TriStar, I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be, uh, it wouldn't happen. But, you know, and then two years later, I'm, I'm flying to Montreal and I walk through TriStar doors and my banner is right across the entrance point. I'm like, wow. This is insane, you know, and it's, and there's so like Ray Longo's gym, you know, in New York, the same thing, Chris Weidman. There's Chris Weidman and there's Winter Warrior banner above his cage. I'm like, this is nuts. So yeah, look, it's, um, it's an amazing program. And the, the thing that gets, and I think that the thing that gets everyone so passionate about it is, is what it does for the people that do the program. It, the coaches get completely addicted to it because like I say it's it's the biggest um, what, what word can I describe to give it the what its true value is it's so hard to describe but in any industry if you can think about someone that that's a, a writer to, to get Pulitzer Prize or whatever the biggest it's, it's that feeling of accomplishment when you see a group of people in such a short space of time transform transform it and and then call you up a week later or two weeks later or a month later year later telling you my life has completely changed my kids are healthier my partners you know people that have been through pierced um we have a lot of um people that come back from armed services especially in the us that have done the program that have had amazing transformations mentally getting back into that kind of tribe, you know, things that they miss from the army, finding the martial art way of life and, and going through that program with someone. And um, I mean, I, I'm sure we're touched, but there's so many amazing stories. And I, I, I mean, I'm a bit of a soup now. Since I had kids, it softens you so much as you, as you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, nothing ever used to really bother me, but every now and then I, I just, the other day I got a, message and I was laying in bed my wife's in the office and she heard me like trying to do a voicemail back and my voice was going and she's like what and this guy contacted me from Cork um who he's he sent me this video saying look um I'm gonna do the program I'm the first amputee and he sent me a picture he lost his leg through cancer and I was like oh wow that's amazing and then he sends me this video of him getting a tattoo and then he'd lost his wife a year before from 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 cats and I'm like oh my god I'm sitting there and and he says you know this is giving me focus and I'm like oh and and there's all these things and and this is kind of giving this guy focus and help before the program's even started you know they're they're seeing this thing as um as something to to drive and and really drive for and there's a guy that I've had contacted me 
in hospital through chemo, you know, and he sent me a picture of him, like no hair, linked up, MMA fan, and his friend had done went to where he said, I'm going to survive chemo and do this because your program. Wow. And I went over, to, he was from Ireland, I went over and met him and he'd done the program and, you know, he invited me to his wedding, he's completely past the cancer now. There's all these things. It, and this is, going back, this is why I think it's so successful. It's not just, the reason I started was to try and promote MMA and give it mm. um, an image that's not athletes trash talking and fighting in a cage. It's so much more, but it's, it's so much more than that now. It's MMA is is my life, and it always has been. But the program is is bigger than the sport. It's 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 more important. It's not bigger than the sport. I shouldn't say that, but it's it's um, it surpasses it in terms of its importance to to me and people that run the program. And that's why it's it's so it's grown so big and so loved by so many people. I think. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. So we're in seven, we're all right, we're about to be in nine countries now. We've got two more countries coming yeah. on board. Um, and, you know, our growth has only been kind of held back by um, our ability to grow. You know, it's, we, we just, it's very hard to get funding for an MMA training program. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not tech. People don't get excited about it unless you're in MMA. And if you're an MMA fan, you're, probably not in that world anyway so you know my business partner, partner uh, Nick Langton has done an amazing job and he's raised a lot of money recently and we're at that point now of scale you know as big as we are now it's in two or three years time you know we're, we're just under 100 gyms globally now um, wow. you know, we're, and that's taken nine years we'll probably double that in the next 12 months so that's we're about to scale very big so but it's taken a long time and very stressful and I've you know been through the ringer as startups do you know lost my mm. car um, had to move house a couple of times you know slept at the gym like throughout the week you know it's, it's just that sacrifice you go through but it's I wouldn't change a thing I really wouldn't and um, it's an amazing, amazing program and I'm very proud of it and it's it's something that I'll always be, no matter what happens in life, I'll always be able to look back and go, I created that program, you know, and um, and I, I want my kids to be able to be proud of that as well. So and that's a huge part mm. of my drivers. And, you know, from a dad's point of view, is you want to give your kids something that, uh, a legacy, even if they don't get involved, but they can always look at something and, and use you as an example to, to do better. So, yeah, sorry, that was really long-winded. Mate, no, it wasn't. It was an absolutely fantastic story. And, and without any prompting, you, you've covered so many of the things that I think our audience would, would be curious about. And there's so many things I want to unpack. And one of the yes. first things I want to jump into is, you know, it, it for someone who hasn't seen your program, or someone, and I, I would encourage everyone who, who picks this up, have a look at Winter Warrior. It is, you know, Rich was searching for a word before, and I think the word that I would describe this as, as radically, or two words, radically transformational. I've, I've never seen such truly mm. average Jane and Joes go to um, the lengths of truly being warriors and, and the way they stand, as you said, in the light. It's, it's tough. It's, it's the, the, the mental ask of you when you're standing there, you freeze. Mm. And to, 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 to trade punches 
under lights in front of an audience of 500, 1,000 is, is incredibly difficult. It adds an extra level of strain and fatigue on you and, and your, your, your fighters, because that's what they are at the end of the program. Yeah. They do that. Um, let, let, let's take a quick step back into the program itself, mm. because you touched on something that's really interesting. You had some detractors. You had these fighters, and this is you know, your traditional guys that have grown up in boxing gyms and have, have had to go through their, their gradings and you know, earn their stripes and their coaches have deliberately held them back and said, look, you need to be in the, in the ring for four years before we put you through there. What separates your program from, say, a white collar boxer? You know, like, give, give us a little understanding of what, what it is in the life of a week of, of what, someone who says, I want to go in and represent my company in a white collar boxing match versus what you put your fighters through. Because mm. I think this is where people will understand it is yeah. it is a pretty brutal program that you ask of people who are still holding down jobs and who are yeah. still having to maintain their lifestyles while they go through this program with you. So let's talk yeah. about that a little bit. So it starts with something that has nothing to do with martial arts, and it's and it's the it's the discipline and commitment of five days a week to start with, and it's getting your ass out of bed. And some people. I have people that travel an hour and a half each way to do the program, depending where they live to the program. And the program, most gyms start at 5am or 5.30. And the reason we do that is because if, if, it, if you want, you have to have five days a week for one, otherwise the program would last a year to get what you have to do. A lot of white collar boxing is sort of three days a week, evenings and stuff like that. And because if you look at the amount of technique you have to teach for, for a boxing match, white collar boxing, you know, slip, cover, jab, cross, baby foot, body shot, and then footwork, you know, and people that are watching this are gonna probably, what the fuck's you talking about? You know, there's much more, but we're talking about fundamentals, you know, I, I when I talk about what we teach in terms of our groundwork, it's very much the similar, same. You're not gonna teach technical stuff, really um, intricate movements, because they're never gonna use it in their first, three or four, you've got to build, your foundation is everything first. So if you look at the skills and the, the techniques that they have to learn compared to MMA, I mean, that's one of sort of four or five elements that you have to learn in MMA. And then you've got the, the conditioning side as well. So it's five days a week, it's early morning. So the, just, so everyone says it, is the part of the big transformation, that mental um, toughening is just, swinging your legs out of bed every single morning. And people say to me all the time, just do it in the evenings. People won't turn up because work, life, commitments, you know, I had to work back, my kids are sick. This, there's no excuse. You just get your ass out of bed every morning before your day starts. Then you have, your day is there. So that's the first thing. Um, it's five days a week. It's, um, the program is set out in, in, it's very complex, so that it's in a three-phase program. So the first phase is all about movement. So you're teaching the, the movement patterns that people do in MMA are very different from what we do normal in life. Everything we do, you know, we're doing straight lines, everything's in front of us, very little rotation that we have to do, especially under load. You know, we don't rotate and lift things up unless you're doing manual worker. All these things you have to think about when someone starts doing live drills, their body gets into these positions that it's never done before and they're, and they're gonna be under loads. So you have to take that back, re-engineer it and, and build from the base. So the first phase, the first seven weeks is about teaching people how to move and then strengthening those movement planes. So we have strength conditioning on a Tuesday and then conditioning on a Friday and then 
different movement patterns. So um, it's everything is just basic movement or technique with no movement. So teach movement one day and then static technique. So punches, kicks, just with, without any movement. And then you add the second phase is technique within movement. So then you're starting moving around um, slight, we start introducing very light live drills at that point, very light contact. Um, and then um, around week 10, the strength conditioning program finishes. So basically the, that's what I call the bulletproof phase. So we're gonna make these people as bulletproof as we can in the first 10 weeks. So they're strong and their core is really strong and their back and their neck is strong. And physically they've been through lots and lots of sports specific motions to strengthen all these planes of movement up. So you're protecting them from injury basically. Um, and they feel fantastic and their posture changes and they walk different. Um, so, and then you, we start the live drilling and then that's halfway through the second phase. And then <clears throat> you have ground days, striking days, um, clinch and wrestling days. And then in the last phase, they all kind of merge into MMA. So then we put all the pieces of puzzle together. Um, and then we, we start, we have um, four weeks of sparring um, in the last phase. And then we, we start, fade the training down and then we go back to specific technical aspects. So the idea of, of sparring in, in what we do is basically just pressure testing what we've learned so far what works under pressure, what doesn't. Um, and then everyone's different. Some techniques will work for someone, especially with the ground stuff and not the other. So then we basically just, we massage what they've done, what pressure tested, what didn't. And then the last few weeks is just game planning, working out, giving them their own sort of toolbox. This is what works for you. This is what you should do. Um, and then um, and then they we do, and then the last week, we switch their training over to evening to change their body clock because they compete at night. So they do evening training for the last week um, and then weigh in. And we have recovery days in there as well in the last phase. We do visualization drills. Um, we do, um, so we do, um, we do walkouts. We do, we talk about um, trigger points for their walkout music. We talk them through about having a hand wrapped. There's lots of trigger moments where your adrenaline kicks in when you're sitting out the back you know it's, it's you'll be in a room and everyone's relaxed for instance you know the first trigger point of adrenaline will be when you're asked to go and sit and have your hands wrapped then it's suddenly you're not in a group of people that you've you've hanging now you're having your hands wrapped it's like your adrenaline so we talk about and we get them to visualize all these trigger points to try and um get their body to um go through just the same as you do with training, you know, you, you want them to be conditioned to those reactions of the body so they can control it, you know, and it's, you can never control it too much, but this is a part of, of competition that people don't put enough time into. A lot of people talk about it now, but visualization stuff I've been doing since day one with these guys, and it makes such a difference. And um, so we go through the trigger points, we do um, walkouts, you know, get to stand there, you ready, you ready, touch gloves. And so they feel all these things and go through it. And then the last week, I get them to go through that in their head um, at least twice a day, and then listen to their walkout music at that precise point when they're visualizing standing at the doors before they go through, you know, and I tell them that they can't listen to their walkout music unless they're at that point because it, it has a purpose. You know, you can't listen to it driving home, feeling happy 
that's going to prepare you. That's your last trigger point to turn fight or flight. There you go, fight, and you're on. And it's so the program is it's complex and it's in it's it's very involved and it's in it's you know I've been coaching MMA since the mid '90s and it's it's not just nine years of of this program and and tweaking and stuff, but it's also all the years before all the things that I did wrong and I learned from competing and and coaching and it's it's basically my life work in this program and um, yeah it's it's as far from a white collar boxing experience as you can mm. you know and it, and the, the pressure of um, an MMA fight as well it's it's a whole new level of uncomfortable you know it's most people would stand and put head guard on and put big big gloves on pillows and and you know and hit someone but to in MMA there's so many things that people freak out about you know especially women being grabbed held pinned on the floor you know positions where people their anxiety just kicks in massively so all these hurdles you have to overcome and and we've had we've had a couple of times um, women that have been um, had real histories of um, sexual abuse, you know, and I don't want to add too much, but the, a couple of times that they, the first few weeks they couldn't even be touched, you know, that even another woman touching them would just freak them out because of experiences they've had before, and at, by the end of the program, they're just. They're rolling with guys and sparring, and then they're getting in and fighting. It's, so it, wow. it, it is very involved, and um, but mm. it's it's it's, it's yeah, I don't want to call it a masterpiece, but it's kind of a masterpiece in the program. <laughs> it's, 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 it's and look, it's not it's not complicated. It really isn't. It's just the the what you teach isn't complicated. It's the way you teach. It's the way you coach it. The way you put it together is the most important thing. Um, we have um, a coach's charter. It's a document that basically breaks down the program over three phases for the coaches. So every, the programs run the same pretty much everywhere around the world. Coaches will teach technique different no matter where they are. But the, the actual uh, program itself, um, and there's a lot in there in that program in that manual that covers the mental side of the training program. You know, simple things of talking about things two weeks before they happen. Prepare them mentally. Talk about sparring in the first phase. Talk about your own experience as a coach. The first time I ever sparred, I freaked out. Just becomes normal, you know? So putting 10 minutes aside after training two or three times a week to discuss things, let people talk about their own anxieties, bond as a group, all these things that are really important for the program to be successful. Um, so yeah, another short answer, I apologize. <laughs> fantastic. Well, what I want to do because there's so much we, we could unpick here and, and you know really what we've covered today it's not just a martial arts program story it's a startup story right and yeah. I think one of the, the passions I have is demystifying this that tech is the only area where we're, where you get to qualify as a startup yeah. you know there are there are ordinary people doing extraordinary things all over the place and they have to go through many of the same challenges frustrations, sacrifices um and and 
you know, finding support and, and consensus mm. and looking for sponsorships and looking for ways to bring these things together just to support yeah. an idea. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you, you really shared so much about yeah. today. What I, what I really want to do for our audience is, is, is fire up a couple of questions to kind of distill all of the richness of both the startup story and the program story that you've got today um, into a synthesis. If we were to distill that down into one core problem um, that you wanted to solve, what was the core problem that was the inspiration for, for Winter Warrior and, and for this program that is now spanning nine countries? Um, get more people into the sport. Basically, get people through the door of amazing gyms around the world. That was mm. mine being the first one. And And... To help understand why people should get in the door, why are you passionate about it? What what is it? What is it that they can get from getting in the door in, in an M and A gym that you've got out of it, and so many of, of, of your warriors now have gotten out of it? Well, it, the, the 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 biggest surprise that people have when they actually walk through the door of a gym is is one is how friendly it is. You know, there's a there's a culture. MMA when you compete in MMA, yes, you're on your own, but you need a team of people around you to get you to that point. And the bond that people have, it's, and I'm not just saying MMA, it's martial arts generally, but MMA I think is, it's, it's heightened because of, of what the sport is. Um, it, you're surrounded by really good people, right? You hear it all the time. People are shocked at how nice people are in, in the mm. sport of MMA. There's very few, I mean, 30 years I've been in it, I, I could, talk about one or two people that have had like real egos that I've met and they don't last, they kind of get weeded out. And you get this mm. fantastic group of people that that are there to, on their journey of their own, but for them to get on their journey, they need you and you need them and you train together. And it's it's an amazing thing. And, and for me, martial arts, it, it gave me so much purpose. You know, I left school uh, with zero education. I had dyslexia and ADD, undiagnosed back in the 80s. You know, I was just put in the dumb class um, and I just didn't turn up to school because I couldn't remember anything that was being told. You know, I just, and no one looked into it. And, you know, so I left school and, and I was basically told that you, you're you not going to accomplish anything in life. You know, friends of mine were in prison at the time. You know, there was this horrible place to live, you know, and. I really believe that that's, that was it. I was going to sweep floors in the warehouse, which is what I was doing, and bits and pieces, and drive around my cars and, and get into trouble, you know? And it, a friend of mine forced me to go to her brother's martial arts academy that just opened. And it took months. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I'm doing that. But I went, and the first time I was there, I just felt that I there was purpose. I, I had a community of people that, I could talk to and be with and and it's all the things that were missing in my life. You know, going through school as, as a young adult, structure, support, you know, health and, and purpose. You know, there was a system, I'm gonna to work towards something. And, and that's what people, you know, look, if you wanna to go to a gym and stand on a treadmill and pay 30 bucks or whatever, that's fine. But there's so much more you can get from exercise in martial arts. There's so many things that you can get from it. Um, and that's that's what I want people to understand. And so I want to get as many people to experience that as possible because I know what it's done for me personally. Mm. So 
let, let, let's just drill down into that that a little bit more. How do you, you know, you're running a business and you're running your life's passion and let's face it, as you said, one of the biggest challenges you've, you've had is, is funding this. How do you maintain your drive in the face of the financial challenges and, and the fear that, that, you know, you said you've had to sell your car, you've had to um, move houses several times. That's, that's a lot of change and a lot, a lot of frustration for you and for your family. Um, tell us, how do you maintain drive in the face of, of what is absolutely natural fear? I, I, it's, I don't want to keep going back to the same thing, but it, it's a, it is the same answer for me. It's, it's what you learn as a martial artist. As a, in martial arts, you can't get better without failing. And it's that's a cliche in life. Everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, um, you've got to fail, you pick yourself up. But it, you actually live that in martial arts because you start as a white belt. Everyone in the class is better than you, everyone, you know? And you're the lowest, you're the pond. You're sitting there and these guys are, and you get your ass whooped, you know? And you, you keep coming back, you keep coming back. And then you get a little bit better, get a little bit better. And then you get to the top of your pile, your white belt, and then you're beating the guys that come in and they're going through the same thing, adversity. And then you get upgraded and then you're in the new belt or you're in the next level of class. You come through and then you're getting your ass kicked again because you've got all these people that have been there two years before. And it's this system of of failure. And and if by by breaking you down, you're gonna get stronger. And it's, and I, I have something I always quote, um, believe, achieve. And um, John Kavanaugh, he's become a really good friend of mine. And we talk a lot and he always laughs because I, I use it all the time, believe, achieve. But he says, yeah, but what people don't understand between believe and achieve is a whole lot of hurting. And it's true, but you don't want to write down a long hashtag, but it's, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I think having, being passionate about what you do and be, truly believing in it, and then understanding that failure is just a path to success. You know, you're only gonna get stronger. It's the same as weight training. You go in, you tear, you break the muscle down, it comes back, it repeats, comes stronger. And it's the same with your mind. And the more times you go through that kind of adversity, the stronger your mind gets, and you just Absolutely. see it as a pathway. And and that's that's what martial arts really teaches. And you know, before we started um, press record, we were talking about kids and being wrapped up in cotton wool, and that's what kids kids everything is just given to them now. You know, they don't even have to look. You know, MacBook, a question, Google. They don't even have to type it in. They just speak to this thing, and it, everything's on a plate. You know, and it's, they go to the, their sports carnival, everyone gets a medal, no one's a loser. You, we're setting these kids up for failure in life because anything that becomes tough, they're gonna crumble because they don't know how to deal with it. So even sports, there's so many sports out there, they've taken away all the beautiful things that you teach kids through sport. But martial arts, you, you can't do that because martial arts, you can't get better without failing. So it's um, that's why I think so many kids is so important to, to have something like a martial art or something that teaches you failure is is progression. Absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more, Rich, and and, and absolutely well spoken. I think you've you've summed that up beautifully. So we're wrapping up our chat today. I, I want to know, and I want our, our audience to know, who and what are you thankful for in your life as you're going through? Um, you know, it sounds like you're on the verge of a breakthrough point for this absolutely exploding 
Um, you know, you've worked your absolute backside off. You've persevered. You faced failure after failure after failure, and come back and stood up and, and continue to fight. What do you? What do you? Who and what are you thankful for in your life, Rich? Um, my wife, first and foremost, because you, you know, d- doing a start, <laughs> doing a startup, and I've done a few. It, it unless you have someone there that's going to support you, you know, you can't do it on your own. You know, my we have a family you know my wife has paid the mortgage for since since forever since we've been in australia yes i get an income and i put as much as i can but when you're in the start everything you take out it slows the startup the business you've got to put everything into it and and the emotional support as well so my wife has been a huge part of what i do um and then you know surround yourself with good people is the key you know it's um you've got to take away if you have negative people around you, it's going to make things so much harder for you. You have to have positive people, but people that can do things that you you can't. So you can concentrate on what you're you're good at. I'm great at coaching. I'm not good at the business side of things. You know, Nick Langton came in, and you know he's the one that's raised all the money. He's you know I brought him on as a CEO, and and he's enabled me. So he, he brings the money in and, and looks after that side and lets me do what I do. And I think that's the key, you know, find what you're good at. Um, and and without these people, I mean, I'd still be running Wink to Warrior, but it wouldn't be where it is now. So um, yeah, I think, and, and as cliche as it sounds, my kids, because they're my biggest motivator, is, is coming from where I did, you know, being told that I'd never achieve anything and leaving school with no education, you know, I want to I want to give them something to be proud of and and you know and drive and and you know if my dad can do this then so can I. So that's they're my biggest motivators. I love it. So, Rich, one key piece of insight as we wrap up our conversation today, if you could distill into a hashtag or if you could distill it into something. What is one piece, key, the key piece of insight or advice that you could offer our listeners that can help them be their best self? Dream big, for starters. You know, just don't listen to other people. If if you have a vision, you do it, go for it. So I always dream big, and then, like I said before, believe, achieve. You know, mm. write it down. I'm a big thing in vision boards. You know, some people mm. like them, some don't but I need to see what I'm working towards, even if it's a whiteboard, but put your vision down, write goals, and just cut out anyone that's negative in your life because you can't do what you're about to do if you have these people, because there'll be times where you can be broken by someone that's telling you, walk away, don't do it, you know, because you're you're gonna have times when you're very low and you, you need people around you that are gonna pick you up so dream big believe in yourself be passionate and just go for it love it well richie thank you so much for coming on the self-help podcast if people want to find out more um where can they that they pick up what is there a is there a website is there somewhere that they can visit to find Wimp to warrior for sure so um warrior.com is our website um nice and easy and then it's um and it's Wimp the number two warrior or one um, and that's on um, Instagram and Facebook as well fantastic well to our audience um, thank you for listening today 
Uh, before you go, I ask that you do us a good deed and share this with just one other person. Please leave us a five-star review um, wherever you tuned into the podcast. For more best self-goodness, find us on social by searching for The Self App. From us to you, keep up the good thoughts, good words, good deeds, and continue to level up your best self. Thank you.